490 BC, the Athenian army was preparing to defend its great city of Athens against the invading Persian army. And the Persians were a, a much stronger force. Uh, they had, they were really, in that day and age, they were the strongest military force. They had 600 ships. They had between 80 and 150,000 men. And they sailed to a little place called Marathon, preparing to invade Athens, which is about 25 to 26 miles away from Marathon. And the Athenian army began to prepare, and they, in full battle gear, 30 pounds on average, most historians believe, marched their way into Marathon to confront the Persian army. And it was a, a very unlikely scenario. In fact, most scholars believe that a third of Athens showed up to go to battle that day, which would have been a total of about 10,000 men. So 10,000 against, uh, at, you know, at best, 80,000 men. It didn't look good for the people of Athens. And they did something interesting. They did something that no military, no army should do in terms of trying to battle against someone or go to ba battle against some uh, military force that's stronger. They flanked the Persians, which seemingly would have let the Persians go through the middle and would have sent them easily on their way to Athens. But something happened that day, and the Athenians killed over 6,000 Persians and only 192 Athenian military leaders lost their lives that day. And it was this great victory. It was something where the first democratic republic kind of hung in the balance and really in a lot of ways uh, history was set because of this battle of Marathon. And legend tells us that at the end of that battle that they needed to get word back to Athens for uh, really for the sake of warning, but also for the sake of giving them encouragement that they had won this great battle that didn't look very good in the beginning. And so they sent one of their strongest, one of their most fit warriors back to Athens to declare victory. And Pheidippides ran that whole way from Marathon back to Athens and Legend tells us that he gave this great announcement of this great Athenian victory and died right there on the spot. Well, whether that's true or not, some years later, out of that 25 to 26 mile journey that he made and the Athenian army made, the marathon was started. <laughs> And of course, now we have our modern day marathon, but the modern day marathon has more to the story because in 1896, during the first modern Olympics, the Greeks were supposed to win everything. They were supposed to kind of like run the table on all the gold medals, and they ended up getting zero, none, until they ran the marathon. And out of the blue came a former soldier, a guy named Spiridon Luis. And Spiridon decided, not having trained for the marathon, that he would, in fact, run, and he ended up winning. It sounds like somebody made this up as a movie uh, a story, uh, you know, like a uh, you know, made-for-movie kind of, kind of message. And some of it may be legend, some of it may be kind of like you know, in the folklore of Greek history, but a lot of it's true. And I think whether it's Theodipides or whether it's Spiridon Lewis, or whether it's the whole Athenian army, it kind of highlights the idea 
of never giving up, of finishing strong, of running this race that we call life until the very end. And today, that's what we're going to be taking a look, look at. It's, it's our last week in our series, Unstoppable. My name's Todd, by the way. I'm really glad that you're here. Glad that you've joined us on this like you know incredible summer hot day in Hilton Head. We're glad that you're here, even if you're visiting from Ohio. And I want to thank those who are joining us online. You guys in the room don't realize, but we have about two to 300 people who watch online. Most of that, a lot of that's live between the two services. Services. And so I want to thank you, those of you who are joining on Facebook Live around the world. We've got folks from Kenya to Kansas and probably Ohio, too, uh, uh, listening in. I feel bad for Ohio. I'm really sorry about that, but I just have to. I have to, I have to give you all a hard time. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and this was our jumping-off point just a few weeks ago when we started this series called Unstoppable. We began with this, and I want to kind of circle back around and end with this passage um, I don't want to spend too much time reviewing, but the path that we've taken is an interesting path because even in the word unstoppable, when you think about that, for a moment you think, wait a minute, the Bible doesn't teach us that we can be unstoppable except for the power of God, and that's true. And everything that we've been talking about from day one in this series has pointed us to that fact that without him, we are stoppable, but with him, we can be unstoppable. And so we began in week one by talking about this concept of being unstoppable. And we talked about the fact that if we begin with God's purpose in mind, that sets our course for being people who are unstoppable. And in week two, Justin encouraged us in the transitions in life, in the commencement that we move from one period of life to the next, that we need to go back to that plan and have people surrounding us that will support God's best for us. And then we moved on to talk about the little foxes, the little things in life that we think are no big deal that could possibly derail us and get us off task for God's best. We talked about the defining moments and how we can navigate life's most important decisions when we rely on the wisdom that God provides. And then last week we talked about it's all in your mind, talking about how um, our, what we think and what we choose to dwell on in our minds so impacts our future and our ability to finish strong. And today we come to the last in this series and we're gonna be talking about what it means to finish the race of life. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about the race of life, but also our spiritual journey, most importantly, our spiritual journey. And this book of Hebrews speaks to this. And so today I want us to take a look at verses 1 and 2. We'll take a look at some other passages in Scripture, but we're going to start here in Hebrews chapter 1 or 2. Let's read together. The verses will be on the screens. You don't have to read out loud, but you can just follow along as I read. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus in verse 2, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now there's so much packed in these little two verses. 
But to understand what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us and what he was trying to tell the people of the first century back then, you have to understand why Hebrews was written. It was written to those who were Jewish and they became Christians. They had decided to follow Jesus. And the message of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, everything around the ministry of Jesus was radically different than any sect in Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews explains that no longer do we have to go through a high priest. No longer do we have to have sacrifice, that everything that Jesus did on the cross was enough. No longer was the Old Testament, do we have to abide by all the Old Testament laws. Yes, there's a way of living whatever is repeated in the New Testament that was mentioned in the Old Testament. But he was talking about the change. Because of Jesus, everything changed. And so here he continues that theme. And he says that we should endure the race. And i got to tell you, if we are going to be people, if we're going to be people who finish strong, three things that I want to point out today. First and foremost, we must be people who embrace endurance. If we're going to be people who finish strong, we must be people who embrace endurance. Look at, look at verse 1. I want to take a look closely at verse 1. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what the writer is saying there in verse 1 is, is that there have been others who have been Christ followers, who have been God followers before, and there are so many who have finished the race. And because that's the case, now we can have the confidence and we can have the knowledge of how to finish strong. We can know what it means to finish strong and to finish the race of life. In the second phrase, he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so closely entangles us or which so closely clings to us. I, I love the analogy that he is um, making here, this, this metaphor of, of, of a weight. Now, um, how, ma how many of you have been or are runners? You, you, you've done some, like, you know, running. Um, okay, very good. Some of you are like, the others of you are like, who are you, who are you running from? Uh, we want to know, who were who you running from? You, you all who are runners, um, you're, I, I used to do a little bit of running, and, um, I, but I've never run a marathon. But people I know who have run marathon and who are into endurance sports and endurance athletics talk about they talk so much about the training and the preparation, and it's true. Those of you who have done that, those of you who have run marathons or half marathons, you know that the preparation is so incredibly intense and that the training is so vitally important. And I read uh, several articles on how there were people who um, they signed up to run in marathons or half marathons for the sole purpose of losing weight. And they were frustrated at the end because they hadn't lost the weight that they wanted to lose. And they didn't realize that you, gain, you, you actually eat so many calories to make up for the training that you're doing that you actually, and you're strengthening your body that you actually might end up staying at the same level. And I would suggest, just like those who sign up for a marathon to lose weight, that perhaps Sometimes we as Christ followers sign up with Jesus for the wrong reason. That we set out on the course of being a Jesus follower because we want all the benefit that comes with that. We want all the great things that come with it, but we don't want any of the sacrifice. We don't want to do the hard work. And I want to suggest that perhaps, perhaps that some of us are here today 
and in terms of embracing endurance, we have forgotten or we've lost this idea that following Jesus requires some sacrifice. And as the writer says here, we have to lose some of this weight. We have to be set free from this thing that so closely clings to us. And he says that we ought to lay aside every weight and sin which so closely uh, comes to us. And, and part, of, part of what we ought to do, part of what we should do, what we should be about as Christ followers and embracing endurance is losing the weight of the thing that keeps us from enduring to the end. I would imagine that there are some of you who are here today and there are some things in, in your life that are perhaps the ceiling in your life of your relationship with Jesus. And maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a lifestyle, or maybe it's a habit. And if you and I are gonna endure to the end, we're gonna be serious about evaluating our lives and taking an introspective look at our lives and determining those things that are gonna keep us from enduring to the end. Maybe when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we have the wrong motive or we have the wrong goal. You know, someone who sets out to train for a race doesn't do it and think, I can just do all the things that I've always done and finish strong. They realize that they can't eat those Oreo cookies in a big tall glass of milk at 10 p.m. at night, every night, and finish a marathon, right? I mean, it would be nice, right? It would be nice to kind of like have those little habits and be able to run a race as well and finish the race as well. But most people who do it right, embrace the fact that there's probably some habits, there's probably some things in their life that they have to change to be able to finish strong. And Christ follows the same thing with us. If we're gonna be people who endure to the end, if we're gonna be people who remain faithful to Christ, if we're gonna be people who remain faithful to our mission, if we're gonna be people who are unstoppable, we're gonna take a look at our lives and we're gonna evaluate what is our routine what is our daily plan? What are we doing in our lives that's keeping us from that abundant relationship with our Savior? And so perhaps it's a habit or routine or a sin or a lifestyle. My question for you today is what are you currently involved in that is slowing you down spiritually? What are you, what are you currently active in that's keeping you from this abundant relationship with Jesus? And secondly, what are you not involved in that would further your faith journey? What are you not involved in that would further your faith journey? If we're going to be people who finish the race, if we're going to be people who are people who finish strong, we're going to embrace endurance. I love the second part of, of this passage here of verse number one, because take a look at what he says. He says, not only should we lay aside all of those things that hold us back from finishing strong, but he says this, check this out. Let us run with endurance the race that is what? What does he say in verse one there? That is set before us. I mean, one of the things I think that, that we as Christians so easily do is we, play, we play this comparison game. We, we look around and we, we kind of look at other people at whatever age, whatever stage of life that we're at. We look around and we go, man, I would love to have their life. I'd like to be on this person's race. 
man, I, I, you know, I really love that, that job that my friend has, and it seems like they make tons of money, and they don't work. They just don't put in the time. That's the kind of life I'd like to have. I mean, I love, man, there's this family out there, and, you know, I just look at them and their kids. They listen to their parents, and, oh, man, I'd love to have their kids. You know it's not true, right? It's just, a, it's just all smoke and mirrors, okay? But, like, you look and you begin to compare, and I think one of the things that we've got to realize is that God has set us on our race. Listen, Christ follower. He has set you for a specific purpose. He has given you to a specific role. He has put you with a specific people, a group of people. And as hard sometimes as it may be to kind of like get past the, the want and, and, and maybe the, the wish and the envy trap that we often have in life, part of enduring the race of life is realizing that our race is our race and that God has not called us to run in someone else's race. Years ago, I was meeting with a uh, counselor, and he was trying to help me understand some concepts, and um, he, he got out in the middle of this meeting. I was seeking counsel, and in the middle of the meeting, he got out two hula hoops, and I'm in the middle of talking, and I'm like, dude, what are we doing here? What's about to happen? And he laid them down, and he put these two hoops on the ground, and he put one there, and he put one over there, and he said, see, Todd, the... Part of the problem is right now is that, like, this is your hoop, and he asked me to define my hoop, what's in my life that I'm responsible for. And I started defining all of those things, and he said, part of the problem is we as Christians and you right now are wanting to be in someone else's hoop. And I think so often we fall into the trap of want and envy and wishing for a different race. And church, whatever race you're in, is the race that he has called you to run your race. I think dreaming isn't bad, but if dreaming inspires us to run in someone else's race, we need to be careful to stay focused on what God has for us. And then the last part of enduring the race in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, check out what he says in verse 2. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Essentially what the writer is saying here is if we're going to be people who endure to the end, if we're going to be people who embrace endurance and do finish strong and are unstoppable, yes, we are going to run our race. Yes, we are going to get rid of the weight that keeps us down, but we are going to keep our eyes on the prize, and spiritually speaking, the prize is Jesus one who's already endured and outlasted and finished. And listen, if you're in here today and you've been a Christ follower for any length of time and there is something or someone else as the centerpiece of the prize, as you run the race, you will ultimately find disappointment. You'll ultimately find disappointment. He should be the thing that we strive after. He should be the prize. And so if we're going to be people who are unstoppable, if we're going to be people who finish strong, first and foremost, we're going to embrace endurance. But secondly, we're going to embrace perseverance. You might think, those things are the same thing, Todd. They're really not. They're really not. I think there's a slight difference, and it's highlighted in the book of Acts, where we have the history of the church, and 
Um, Luke writes this, this great book, the book of Acts. He's writing it about the church. And here in Acts 20, I want you to check this out. Acts 20, verses 22 through 24. This is the story of the apostle Paul. And Paul is in front of the elders at a church in Ephesus. And he says this in verse 22. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, Except, he says in verse 23, that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. Now, hang on just a second. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying to these elders, God has called me to go to Jerusalem. And I don't know what's going to happen. Except God has told me that what awaits me is imprisonment and affliction. And in verse 24... He sums it up and he says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may win the prize. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? You guys with me? Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. Does it say only if I may have the victory? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Only if I may, what's that next word? Finish the course. Finish the course. And the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Essentially, here's the way this went. Paul went to the elders in Ephesus and he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know much about my journey. But I know that I'm going to have hardship. I know that imprisonment awaits me. I know that affliction awaits me. And in that moment, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament is echoing Jesus' words when Jesus says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble and tribulation. He says, it is coming. It's coming my way. And listen, I, I realize that a lot of you are here today. And man, you're discouraged by what has happened in your life. Maybe someone or a group of people have discouraged you in terms of your, your vocation. Or maybe it's someone who's close to you that has abandoned you. Or maybe you've had something in your past that always keeps coming back. And, and I want to let you know that that, um, that part of that discouragement and part of the, those things that kind of keep coming up, it's, it's part of the part of life that we can't plan on that is, is going to be trouble and it's going to be tribulation and it's going to be the affliction that happens in life. And if we're going to be people who finish strong, we're going to be people who embrace perseverance. I love the fact that he doesn't say that our goal is to win. He doesn't say our, like, it's our job to have the victory. Like, this is not a great pregame speech, right? He just says, finish the race. William Wilberforce was one of the great leaders in, in England during the anti-slavery movement. And there's a story about young William Wilberforce. He was discouraged one night in the early 1790s after another defeat of his... Um, of his goal to abolish slavery. And in his 10-year battle against the slave trade in England, he was tired and frustrated. And that night, he opened his Bible, and he began to leaf through his Bible, and a small piece of paper fell out of his Bible and landed on the floor. 
And it was a letter that was written by John Wesley shortly before John Wesley's death. And he read it again that night after being incredibly discouraged. And it read like this. Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless, John Wesley writes to William Wilberforce, unless God has raised you up for this very thing. You will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But it, I love how they wrote back then, by the way. Isn't that great? I love that. But if God be for you, he says, who can be against you? I love that. Are all of them together stronger than God? Are all of your detractors, are all of your disappointments, are all of your troubles stronger together than God? He says, oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And I want to say to you who are here today, who walked in this room and you are discouraged by the way life has gone, I want to say to you the same thing that John Wesley wrote William Wilberforce. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. That's how we're going to remain strong to the end. That's how we're going to finish the race, is by trusting in him. We finish the race, and it means that we embrace endurance. It means we embrace perseverance through the greatest of trials. And lastly, it means that we simply finish the race, that we don't give up, that we don't quit. And I love in the book of 2 Timothy when Paul is writing this letter, pouring his heart out to his young protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, and he writes this near the end of his own life in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 7. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is a message for the minister, Timothy. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. I think we've probably gotten there. Uh, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. But look at what he says in verse 5, and I think this applies to those who are in the ministry and those who aren't. He says, as for you, young Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I think so often in our Western culture of accomplishment and victory and winning, we, we garner up in our mind and we create in our mind the goal of like we're winning, meaning we are better than someone else. We've accomplished more than someone else. And I think God says to us, your job is to finish the race, to have at the end of your life remained faithful to me. 
I believe that's what he's saying. I believe he's saying to us today, don't quit. Don't give up. And I think it's so interesting how we, and I fall into the same trap, I fell into it this week. Listen, by the way, pastors are not immune to this, by the way. I was with a group of pastors in Denver a few weeks ago, and one of the guys raised his hand, and he's like, you know, how many of you want to quit every once in a while? And another guy said, I want to quit every day. I write my resignation letter every single day. Oh, man. It's true. But I think we confuse what we're supposed to quit. See, if we go back to that passage from Hebrews... There are things that we need to quit. And perhaps you've got things in your life that you need to lay aside. You need to get that garbage off your back. You need to get that weight off your shoulders. Man, there are some things that we just need to ask for God's wisdom and discernment to know that we're not quit. If you're here today and you're about ready to quit on somebody who needs you, my encouragement, my challenge to you is don't quit. If you're about ready to quit on your family, Maybe your marriage. Don't quit. If you're about ready to quit on that thing that God has given you, that purpose he's giving you, remain strong. Allow your torch to continue to be lit. Kind of going back to our theme of what seems like Greek history today. <laughs> My, I grew up in the 1970s and 80s, and um, I didn't want to say that too loud. Or as my kids say, the 1900s. I just love that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And in 1984, the Olympics came to the U.S. You remember that? Some of you remember that, right? A few of you remember that in here. And uh, my parents, they loved the Olympics. And so, we, like, we got, I always got history lessons from my dad on the Olympics. Sorry, I do the same thing, guys. Anyway, so uh, we, we talk about the Olympics a lot. And, and I love the Olympics. But the Olympics, some of the history of the Olympics are the ancient Greeks had some different types of, of events, right? They had some different types of events. And one of the events involved a torch. And the winner of this particular event that we don't know much more about was not the first one who finished, but the last one who had his torch lit was considered the winner. In church, Christ follower, whatever it is right now that you want to quit on that involves God's work in your life, I say to you, allow your torch to remain lit. Allow your torch. Have enough confidence in God to endure to the end. Finish strong. Embrace, embrace endurance. Embrace perseverance. And simply don't give up. We have no idea by our choice to stay in the game and allow our torch to be lit, what he can do with that one small moment in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, in the strong name of Jesus right now, I, uh, I just pray for everyone in this room within the sound of my voice. And God, just admittedly, um, just honestly, there are times when I just want to throw in the towel as well. Discouragement gets the best of me. God, circumstances, conflict, God, whatever it is that we are dealing with that causes us 
to want to throw in the towel. Maybe it's the comparison game. Maybe it's the, the struggle of the want and the wish and the envy. God, maybe it's a particular sin or habit or lifestyle or, God, something that's weighing us down, that's keeping us from an abundant relationship with you. Father God, I, I pray that you would help each one of us in this room to do whatever it takes in our specific situations to be people who finish strong and who are unstoppable, who in the end, our torch never goes out because of our confidence in you, God. God, I pray for those who are here who walked in this place and they are deeply discouraged. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them a hope for the future. God, that they would, they would seek you out. That they would run to you in their moment of discouragement. God, that they would hang on and cling to you and not the other things in life. Father, I pray for an army of people who endure to the end, who finish strong. And God, we thank you so much for the power that we have, the wind in our sails because of what you did on the cross. I pray that you would do amazing things because we simply never give up. Help us to do that all the way to the end. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.